everybody, and welcome to another episode of HP Critical, a podcast where my friends and I talk all things gaming. I'm Drell, and I'm joined by Brandon. Hey! And for Latinx Heritage Month, I've been interviewing wonderful friends of mine in the gaming industry just to talk to them about diversity in the industry, about their experience in the industry, and how it's been for them, how things are going with Hispanic Heritage Month, and just overall get their opinion on how the gaming industry is handling such situations. Very happy and very lucky to be here with him. Brandon and I go way back. Um, this so man Brandon, is my, first like my brother. Of all, oh my god, you are you are literally my bro, bro. Like you are absolutely. My brother, bro. Um, so yeah, first of all, let's let let I'll let you rather tell everyone about yourself again. I know we do this a lot. Um, so <laughs> anyone who does know the podcast, I'm sure you guys have heard Brandon uh, quite a bit. But please tell everyone a little bit about yourself. Sure thing. Yes. So my name is Brandon. Uh, I'm an editor for this website that we are currently podcasting for. I'm a regular podcaster as well. We have now got our weekly schedule going on. So you'll hear me once a week on this, on the, not only this podcast, but our weekly podcast as well. I'm also uh, the main one in charge of our stream department on HP Critical. So we do streams like like three times a week now. It used to be like one to two, but now we've gotten to at least a minimum of three streams a week. So definitely a lot of content that comes from us. You can check us out at twitch.tv slash HP Critical. But yeah, I've been, uh, I have been doing like game journalism since I'm going to say like 2016 when you and I were both a part of another game website. But then once that fell through, we started working for HP Critical and so we are here now. We've been on the working on this website for a good over a year and a half at this point, if yes, I'm not mistaken. Yes. Yeah. Very happy with everything we've accomplished in a relatively short amount of time. Like a lot of people have checked this out since then. We've gotten a lot of projects going on for the website. So I'm very happy to be here on this podcast and of course on the website itself. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for everything. It's been um it's been a crazy year and a half, over a year and a half. Um, mm-hmm. Lots of work. But, yes. you know, I wouldn't be able to do it without you guys. So thank you so much. Uh, specifically you, you know, you've, uh, as you mentioned, you've totally changed the way that we interact on, on uh, social media as well as um, uh, Twitch. Oh, yeah. It's definitely a team effort, but I, I like to think that every one of us puts in, like, uh, oh, our sure. own unique yes, con- yes, contribution, yes. and I'm very proud of our team. It has been, you know, I never thought that we would do things like host monthly tournaments and all the stuff that we've been able to do. It's been really amazing. So thank you so much for helping us out with that and getting that started. Anyway, Brandon! <laughs> so, yeah. obviously, we're talking all about diversity, so I do have a few questions that I want to ask you, uh, speaking about diversity in the gaming industry. And the first one is, how do you feel about being a latinx content creator slash gaming journalist sure so first off i should clarify for those who don't know um, i'm a puerto rican descent both my parents are puerto rican uh my dad was raised in uh, puerto rico until he was about three and then he came to new york with his parents my mother did not spend as much time in puerto rico she's more or less lived her whole life in new york but they both essentially grew up in new york and eventually they met each other and i was born and raised in new york up until i was 10 and then i came to florida where i have lived since but yeah to answer your question about um, what does it mean being a Latinx creator, honestly, it's a big honor because obviously do, being any kind of um, content creator or game journalist of any kind as a minority in America is not very common. So I'm very happy that I can represent uh, represent us in that in that fashion. 
it's not something I think about all that often, if I'm being perfectly honest. But when it does come up, I do feel – I can't lie. I do feel a sense of honor about doing it and, of course, seeing others that also do that as well. Like the the, the field of game journalism as well as content creation in America is becoming more diverse uh, with each new passing year. And I'm very happy about that. I'm very happy that I could contribute to that. Yeah, you know, I'm just very happy that we have such a diverse team. And I'm so happy, once again, also that you are able to contribute to that diversity. I know one of your latest articles, if I'm not mistaken, was about um, comic characters that are Latinx, correct? Yes, and I and to talk about that real quick, uh, I'm actually very happy about that piece just because a lot of those characters that I wrote about in that article are fairly recent characters, you know. For, for, for lack of a, a, a better terms, a lot of the early comic book characters were just like white dudes. So they came out in like the 40s and to the 60s. And that was just, of course, what most comic book creators were. So that's what they would write about. But in the last few decades, I'd say we've really gotten a lot of diverse characters from all kinds of different nationalities in uh, comic books. So. And I wrote about like three in DC and three in Marvel yeah, characters. I was, that, yeah, yeah. I was just gonna say you included both DC and Marvel in your piece, which is awesome. I couldn't choose between the two because, like, originally I was gonna do it just Marvel because obviously number one on the list was Miles Morales. But then I thought about a lot of cool DC characters that I actually really like. Like, I really like Blue Beetle, and I watched The Flash on CW, so I really like Vibe a lot. So I was like, you know, what? I can't choose. I'm just gonna choose three characters from each franchise and just write how I feel about them. So I'm happy that comic books are, have really, you know, started to like catch up and started to feature more um, people, persons of color in their comic mm-hmm. book series and series. I, I'll be honest. I don't read a whole bunch of comic books, but I love the characters that come from them. So I pretty much grab whatever animated series and movie about them come out and just watch those. And that's where I usually see these characters for the first time. Yeah. 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 So actually I'm going to go off the rails a little bit and talk about that with you. Uh, mm-hmm. A conversation that I have with everyone that I've interviewed so far for Latinx Heritage Month is about content versus the creator. Uh-huh. And I, I, that what you just said kind of reminds me of that, which is basically, do we, do we, do we celebrate content creators who are white that make, people of color or do we celebrate um content creators of color whether they're making white characters or not or do we celebrate both and um how how do you feel all about that because i know um uh, everyone i've talked to so far it's been an interesting conversation because a lot of times if you have if you don't have the representation at the forefront, you won't really, you know, know. Like, I won't be able to see Miles Morales if nobody makes a Miles Morales, you know, video game. Right, right, right. Um, and but at the same time, because the industry is so specific in the way that it's represented by the people who create games, we all know that is majority, you know, white cis male. So, um, without those people, we wouldn't have that content. But at the same time, to get true diversity, you definitely want a team that represents what you have. So, how do you feel about con- the content versus the creator? Sure. So my thoughts on that, basically, the way I see it, you're going, a lot of people are going to write or produce any kind of content based on what they know the most about. Not There's not a lot of, there's not a very a lot, a large amount of people that are willing to do a huge amount of research on any kind of thing that they're producing. So they'll naturally veer themselves towards something that they are familiar with. And that's usually what drives them to write or, or produce or anything in the first place. So 
it's it's it, I think there is worth it is worth mentioning when somebody like for example if a white person was to produce um like a minority character or vice versa. I think that's interesting that they would even think to do that because obviously that's going to be out of their comfort zone. They're operating on something that they by default don't really know about, but that's not to say you can't learn. And I absolutely do applaud people who can, who do take the time to learn about something so they can produce a compelling story and an accurate story about what it is they're writing about. A good example um, a few days ago with my nephew, we've been doing like a Pixar marathon because, you know, all the movies are on Disney Plus. So we've been kind of like going through each of them. And we got to Coco in our marathon. And obviously a lot of people involved with Coco are, of course, of Mex- Mexican heritage. But of course, a lot of the higher ups in Pixar are not. But very, it's very clear that they did a very great job um, representing uh, Mexican culture and El de la Muerte in, in the, for the movie. And that they have, and clearly like, a lot of it is very authentic to the way the characters act, to the way the traditions go. And it's very clear that they did their homework. And I think that is something that is worth celebrating when you do take the time to learn about something. Like, I don't like when people just do it to check a box or when they're um, just making assumptions based on maybe something they saw on TV or read in a book. Like, I... I because we notice that, of course, like if you're, if especially if you're of that culture, you're going to be even more sensitive to when somebody writes specifically about that to see if they're doing it right. They also did it, uh, another example I'm going to cite is um, uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. A lot of the ways that um, Miles was talking to his classmates and the way his mother acts was very authentic to uh, how a Puerto Rican mother would act and how. Uh, someone who's of Puerto Rican descent would talk to some of their classmates. I do appreciate. I do appreciate like when the when the work is done. Whether the creator doesn't to me, the creator doesn't matter. What matters is what you know. And if uh, someone of the same descent makes some character of the same descent as them because they know that much, that's great. But if someone wants to even take the time to like really learn about it before they go into this, something that they may not already know. I think that is worth commending, and they should be celebrated if they took the time to really learn about that. Um, <laughs> so uh, it's very interesting because every time I ask this, I get different answers. Mm-hmm. But I, I have always agreed. I think with everyone, and I, I think that it, it does come down to I'm, I'm very, I'm very prominent with the belief that the content matters mm-hmm. because sometimes you know a white person is going to make representation that you may not see elsewhere because there are only white people there to create it but at the Mm -hmm. same time um there is something to be said for being able to make people um of color tell their own experiences so it's very it's always an interesting question i do love talking to people to figure out how they feel about i think i think uh, like going to what you said i agree with that and i think People, uh, the people, the people of color, tell going out of the way to tell their stories is something that's going to happen regardless. I think, like, like a white, like if, a, like, a, like if a white person wanted to tell a story about a person of color, that's great that they want that they would want to do that because they see a problem that they want to get more representation out there, and of course it can only help. But I think that the other the other side of that, where of course some of the person of color is writing about their personal experience, I mean, they want if if they don't see enough of their of their culture represented in media than if they have the means that they're going to do it themselves. So I don't think it's ever going to go away. 
I think if anything, we could we should we should celebrate whenever it does happen because it doesn't happen enough. When it does, I think it's special. And I think that is so important. That's why I think you know a, a, a diversity of voices is so important to put forward in gaming journalism, especially you know with the way that some things are coming off currently mm-hmm, and the yeah. political climate that we have. I think it's very important to hear the voices of people of color a lot. Um, especially yeah. and and to celebrate those people not only during you know Latinx Heritage Month but all the time and I'm so thankful that we have such a great team at HP Critical and I'm gonna I'm done talking about HP Critical team <laughs> I, can, <laughs> I continue to do so but um so how do you feel about uh, diversity in the gaming industry as a whole currently in the gaming industry as a whole so um there's there's I have a very sec- subset of games I play and that subset is most like Nintendo games. And the thing about Nintendo games is, like, a lot of them don't really feature, like, realistic characters. The Most of them are just kind of, like, colorful characters, mascot-like characters that take place in, like, all these different, like, uh, fantastical worlds and such. That it's hard to get really get representation in those kind of games because of the worlds they take place in. Now, that being said, I have played, like, a handful of, of uh, realistic games, like... I not too long ago finished The Last of Us Part Two. Uh, back in the day, I played myself some uh, Grand Theft Auto Five, some games like that. Honestly, though, I think even like again, my experience. This is an anecdotal take because I don't play a whole bunch of like realistic games that take place in like you know the real world. But that being said, I struggle to really find a whole bunch of examples of prominent Hispanic characters in gaming for me personally, like. I remember being very happy. Uh, we talked about this in a previous podcast. I remember being very happy about the Puerto Rican flags being in the latest Miles Morales trailer, just because I don't remember seeing that anywhere else in a game. Like just having this that sheer uh, expression of, of of like Puerto Rican culture. People literally salsa dancing in the middle of the Harlem streets is yes. something I just don't remember seeing anywhere yeah. else. Yep. And you know, obviously that was great at the time, and I'm always going to be happy about Miles Morales for uh, doing that, even if it's only for that one scene. But I think it's, it's symptomatic of the fact that that's literally all I can think about. Like, I don't know if that's a sign that I need to play more games or just that, like, it's not being represented enough. I think definitely can do better. The fact that I think that's all – even if we did live in, a, in an era where there was more representation that I could really think about, mm-hmm. that's always going to make an impression on me, just that one scene right there. But I do think it could probably be better, like based based on just the fact that I literally could not think of anything else besides that when pressed for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, you know, when I was talking to Luis, um, one of the things he brings up is Guacamelee and how he loved that game. And uh, Joey has an article up on our website where he also talks about Guacamelee. And that was a studio that took, you know... Uh, Mexican stereotypes and created a video game out of it, but it was done more out of love, more so than, you know, ignorance. Mm-hmm. And he also talks about how they did their research before they created the game. So yes, it is stereotypical, but it's also fun. Um, and, you know, I also talked to him about representation of Mario in, um, is it Mario Odyssey? Yes, in Mario Odyssey. Where oh Mario... yeah, the Tostarinas. Mm-hmm kingdom and how he or, felt yeah. about that um because he too uh is a very big you know nintendo player well for me personally that kingdom i thought like if we're talking about just the kingdom itself it's one of my favorite kingdoms in the game as far as like the representation of like well th- let me back up a little bit before i go into detail about that one honestly as a, as a game itself you know the whole premise of that game is exploring the world right but of course it's like fictional versions of like parts of the world so 
Slytherin, I guess, is supposed to be based on like Mexico. You have another king. You have New Donk City, which is supposed to be based on New York City, but of course, uh, you know, its own Mario version of it. So for it being kind of like its own kind of like version based on Mexico with like the sombreros and the little skeleton-looking creatures, which I guess is referencing, you know, the fact that El Dia de Muerte again. It's it's tough to say. Like I personally didn't uh, like uh, like was didn't think too much of it when I was going through the kingdom. Like it was meant to be kind of like uh, I guess kind of like a slice of like a culture, and not meant to be kind of like an in depth thing of any kind. Because of course it's not meant to be that. It's just you know the Mario version of said country, which is represented in a lot of other part kingdoms in the Super Mario Odyssey. So honestly, I just didn't really think too much about it. going through it, I just said, oh okay. Sombreros and Maracas got it, and then just kind of just played the level. You know, I I think a lot of people also felt the same way because I I I also believe that it wasn't you know malicious, intense, stereotypical. But a lot of times, um, a lot of times, culture is reduced to stereotypes in right. the gaming community. Which brings me to my next question: Did you see the Twitch emotes that were released for Latinx Heritage Month at the beginning of the month? Yeah, so basically, when those twin emos came out, I didn't see them come out directly. Instead, where my where I heard about all of it was basically just the outcry of people that were complaining about it, and then consequently Twitch themselves. I think not even full twenty four hours later, apologized for even putting it up in the first place. So yeah, to answer your question, I did see that, and how I feel about it. Honestly, it goes back to what I was saying before that. Basically, Hispanic Heritage Month has been reduced to just like three emos that don't even necessarily that doesn't even necessarily apply to all Hispanic culture because Hispanic culture is much more than sombreros and maracas and what was the third emote? Like I think those three in total, right? A guitar, right? I believe so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There's way more to it than that, mm-hmm. but you know they just again it was checking it, it, it was it was not even meant. I don't think they intended to be malicious, but it really just felt like it was checking a box and not really even doing the homework. Like, I don't know if more emotes would have, like, solved that problem, but, like, I just feel like them putting that as, like, yeah, that's Hispanic Heritage Month. Call it a day. It's just, like, they were kind of asking for it at at that point when you just, like, reduce... Mexican, like Joey actually recently said it on an article that he wrote that I edited a few days ago, that not all Hispanics are Mexicans. Like Mexico is yeah, not representation exactly. of the entire Hispanic culture. And that just kind of, that's just kind of what it feels like when they put those emotes out. Yeah. Uh, you know, every time I, every time I talk about this, I say, you know, for me, it, to me, it equated to, if, cause I thought, wow, like this is really embarrassing. To me, it equated to, you know, putting fried chicken on emotes for Black History Month. Like that <laughs> is just like, that, yeah. that is literally what it was like to me. Like when I saw those, I was like, damn, y'all can talk to nobody about this before you decided to do this. Cause it's not a great look. Yeah. But, that's, the, that's the thing. Did they even talk to anybody? Did like, I feel like they just, again, they just, didn't like really think it through they probably didn't ask anybody who probably could have really told them that this was a bad idea they just kind of did it yeah they said it's hispanic heritage month they had to do something but you know they just only took two steps when they probably should have taken like eight or something exactly um so my next question for you is does being a latinx game journalist affect your content creation in some form or fashion 
if I'm being perfectly honest, I don't really feel it does, at least on the surface level. Like I, like, I have a passion for gaming, and I have a passion for sharing my experience about gaming with other people. And I do that, and I, I, I think I would have done that no matter how I would have been born. It's just how I was raised. But that being said, I, going back to something I did say earlier, I really do appreciate that I am helping, like, you know, make a more diverse group of people that are content creating and, you know, journal game journalism and whatnot. So I do take, so I do take pride in that. The fact that I, that, you know, it's just not as common as it should be yet, but besides the, the elated pride that I feel of doing what I'm doing, I don't really feel any differently about it than I don't, I think anybody else would about it. They're just, that it is, you know, follow, following their passion. I can tell you on a personal level, there's not a huge amount of people in my family that are as deep into the love of gaming that I am in some, like there are some people who there's some people in my family who just simply don't get it. There are others that do like, I have some cousins that definitely that love gaming um, and definitely support this career path that I've kind of like taken for myself. But there's a lot of that, that really don't that they don't really understand how gaming can like be as important as it is. And, you know, it's, it makes, it makes uh cause you know, It'd be uh, being Puerto Ricans are big family people. Whenever they're possible, we like to have like big parties, and that happens a lot. And it sometimes makes for some situations where I can't really talk with them as much as I would like to. Like I love my family dearly. Like I don't want to make it sound like I dislike anyone in my family. I don't. I love my family dearly, but it's difficult to talk to some of them because there's not as many of them out there that share, really share my passion for what I love. So, but that's pretty much. But other than that, yeah, like I just do what I do. Um, yeah, you know, uh, if I were to ask myself this question, I would say that yes, it does affect my content creation, but not to a point where, um, cause, cause sometimes I think that can sound negative, mm. but for me, it's very much like, you know, when I pick a video game, I'm mostly going to choose it based on story followed by graphics, right? Because those are the things sure. that yeah. I actually enjoy when I'm playing video games like if it's got a great story I can even suffer through some not so great graphics depending you know on even I can even you know suffer through some gameplay but I you know it definitely does affect when I'm writing a review for something because I am not going to see you know I'm not going to see or understand that video game in the same way someone else would. And I think The Last of Us is a really great example of that, right? Because uh-huh. for me, being gay and being black and playing through The Last of Us is, uh, you know, I'm sure a very different experience than yours. Because, uh-huh. uh, and even though, obviously, we talked about this on our re- review for the podcast, which you guys should totally listen to with Wesley. Thank you, Wesley, for joining. If you haven't listened to it, I don't remember what episode it is, but it's great. So check it out. Um, check it out. But, like, for me, I can, you know, see and understand questions about Ellie and her sexuality in a different way that you would. So, um, mm-hmm. in that sense, you know, when I'm reviewing a video game like that, of course, that's going to affect the way that I understand the story. See, so and I, see, Jarrell, mm-hmm. I, I don't mean to cut you off, but I think that, but to, to, to piggyback off that real quick, I think that's why it is so important that we have such diversity in any kind of industry, especially the, any kind of journalism entry, because that's different experiences that you're going to be calling upon to look at things in a perspective that no one else really can. Now, I'm not saying that everybody has the exact, everybody the same color has the exact same background and experiences. That's absolutely, obviously not true, but you're more likely to get more more varied opinions if you do come if you do you know talk to people and get the opinions from someone from all walks of life yeah exactly. regardless of sexuality and uh, color ethnic background and then other thoughts yeah yeah 
I mean, it's, it's also important. life experiences, right? So that's exactly. why that's why you know Wesley is like Ellie's great, and I'm like Ellie's such a bitch ass trash bitch, you know? <laughs> like yeah. that's why we have because we have such different life experiences. Oh. That's how we're gonna you know understand and yeah. see this in a different light, and that's why it's so important to have more than one voice. And I think a lot of times it can seem like, and I'm not saying there is, but a lot of times it can seem like there is one voice in games journalism, mm-hmm. um, and that. And even if, you know, you look at reviews from people um, and a lot of times, a lot of these reviews are very similar, which is why I might go out and look for a review from someone who has a different life experience, who is going to take that differently. And I'm not saying one is better than the other, but it's really cool to have multiple opinions from different outlets. And and I I think, yes... For me personally, yes, it does affect the way that I see the video game. Because, like, for example, Marvel's Avengers that I'm playing through. Um, I love seeing Kamala Khan. I love seeing her as, like, a, a brown character in this cast of non-brown people, you know? Yeah. And then her being able to take that story and make it her own. And also her being a female character um, at the forefront of this story. Because it's only, like, her and Black Widow. Everybody else is just, like, dick swinging everywhere. And I'm like, oh my gosh, too many penises. <laughs> yeah. But, like... That, that being able to appreciate something like that is going to make my review different from another person's review who doesn't see the importance of that type of representation in a video game. Although the game isn't great anyway, so we're probably also going to talk about how it's not good, in which case our, <laughs> my, our, our reviews might be similar. But I can totally point out, you know, that the story of Kamala Khan is something that inspired me, something that, you know, Grayson was talking about it and inspired him. And even when I was talking to Grayson, about um the last of us you know he he's someone who noticed that like all the hispanic characters have generic names and he he didn't like the way that they were portrayed in the video game and that's not something that i noticed or not something that i saw myself so even talking to another person of color for me is is enlightening in that sense so i i do think for me it does affect the way that i do journalism and also um it it can affect my excitement for a video game because like I love Final Fantasy VII Remake, and I talked about this in every podcast, so anyone who's continuing to listen to this, I'm sorry, but I love the Final Fantasy VII Remake, right? And I know for a lot of people, Barrett was probably the first black character that they saw in a JRPG. Now, I'm not saying his representation is great by any means, but that representation definitely changed and paved the way for a lot of black people to experience... um experience themselves in a in a fantasy setting Mm -hmm. and then with the remake the team has done such a great job at diversifying the world of midgar that i've just been in awe so like if i were to write a review about that it definitely that 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 situation is definitely going to affect the way that i talk about it going forward so just because I don't want that to seem like a negative question, I kind of wanted to explain it. That's that's what I meant by um, does it affect your your um, your content creation? Yeah, and for and to some degree, I suppose it does. Like I'm the way in the way that it would affect anyone with like different like backgrounds and experiences. Like I'll I'll certainly like play a game and look at it and be conscientious of that. I think the fact that the Miles Morales scene with the flags resonated with me so strongly compared to other people is probably evidence of that. But yeah, I mean yeah, for the exactly. most part for the for the most part it it, it doesn't, but obviously there's always going to be instances in the story of a game that I'm just going to be like look at that and, you know, 
react to how I am depending on what experience I've yes. experienced in my life. Yes, I was talking to when I was when I did the podcast with Felicia. I was talking about Masmeras. Literally, everyone brings up Masmeras, and I was like, it's really cool that um, you know he is the intersectionality between uh, ethnicity and race, and he he represents two different cultures. And being able to for me to be able to be excited, like super excited about seeing a brown character in video games, like a non light skinned black guy in video games, but I can also share that experience with you because he's also Puerto Rican and so you know both of us get to be super excited for Spider-Man like yeah in a huge video game that also looks fucking great so like, yeah I know that's why oh a God. lot of people are super hyped for him and when I was talking to Felicia she did mention that she thinks that a lot of it does come from um, the fact that he is an Afro-Latino character and that they are, you know, giving us Spanish Harlem and we see the Puerto Rican flags. And, you know, I'm not Puerto Rican, but I'm proud. When I saw that, you know, my boyfriend's Puerto Rican and I was like, oh, that's my bae. Like, this is super cool. Yeah, yeah. Like, I am I yeah. am proud of that. I don't even have to be a part of that ethnic group to be proud of that. So it, it, Yeah, you don't. And that's, an, and that's another thing, too. Like, if you know a lot of people from the ethnic group, then you can be happy for them as well when they get that representation. And it's great. Yeah, it's it, it's life. It can be life changing, you know. Like mm-hmm. it, it, it does give me hope for the future of video games. And my next question for you is: Do you have some good and and or bad examples of representation in gaming that you like to, that you would like to share? Good or bad representation? Are we talking about just uh, game characters or? Uh, yeah, okay. I mean, you can expand on it. it. It doesn't have to just be characters. Okay. Well, when I think about that, um, as far as uh, as far as uh, gaming itself, this is tough, honestly, because like again, for like what I was saying earlier, like for like a lot of the game characters, uh, games I do play, they are really like fantastical settings. So it's 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 noticeable when you do when they do happen, as opposed to like when they don't. I guess honestly, again, the real example that really stands out to me is like like uh, even before like obviously Miles Morales is not out yet. But I, I do want to give some credit to the PS4 Spider-Man game because even though Miles was not front and center in that game, he is playable in some sections and a lot of mostly stealth sections. And some of those sections, like despite them being stealth, slower stealth sections, are actually kind of cool. Like his last stealth section, I really don't want to spoil it for anyone that hasn't played that game. But his last stealth section for Miles is really cool, and I'm like, oh my god, like. This poor kid could get crushed at any time if I just met, if I just do this incorrectly, and I thought that was that that was really neat. It's really hard to say. Like uh, you mentioned earlier, that Luis mentioned about um, Guacamelee. I haven't mm-hmm. played it myself, but I have watched a lot of people play it, and it honestly, it honestly is a game that is on my list because it does look really cool, and I do like um, the colors of that game and the different enemies you fight and the mm-hmm. controls look so good. It's definitely on my list to play. I think that's like. Again, I haven't dove too deeply, so I can't say whether or not it's good or bad representation. I just know it looks like a really good game, and a lot of people say good things about it. So it's something that I would really want to give a try to. As far as bad representation, I'm happy. I guess it's a good thing to say that I haven't really seen it personally. I mean, I probably just haven't played enough games that would really have like something that's like noticeable, like ugh. But. Uh, yeah, I have. I can't really think of any bad examples. I guess that's a good thing. I'm sure other people could like name some. Some people could probably give me a full list, and I could be like, "Ooh, well, I guess I'll ignore those forever." Yeah, you know, I have one, and I, God, I don't remember what video game it is, but there is this black woman who is digging in a dumpster and a trash can, and she is like super ghetto, and it's just a horrible representation of black people in video games. Um, it that that's like one of the worst ones. But anyway, 
Um, so I also want to ask, do you have any content creators, developers, or um, characters or otherwise that are um, representations that you'd like to shout out? One I can name or right games, off the bat. Total. Sorry, games as well. Okay, yeah, no problem. Yeah. One I can give you one example that I only recently found about which I owe to you one hundred percent. Uh when you're talking about a few this is like a maybe a month and a half ago, about the Puerto Rican game showcase that was hosted by the YouTuber called Joshua yes, Gamer. Yes, yes, I had yes, never yes, heard yes. of him I had never heard of him before that. But then I checked out some of his content and I was really happy with what I saw. It was so heartwarming to see like uh an unapologetic Puerto Rican just like talking about games in the in the showcase and just in his regular content, like he does weekly videos, which I, I check out on occasion. Um I, I I love it. I think that I think I think it's really cool that there's someone that's literally living on the island not not a Puerto Rican in America, to be clear. Someone that's like on the island just representing gaming yes. in such a big way. Yes. I think that's so important. I can't think of any other one that is quite like him. And I think that's really cool. But if we're besides him, like the most the most recent example, a lot of them are just like content creators that I have recently been, some of them are recently, well, I've recently been acquainted to. Obviously, I've known Grayson for a long time, and of course, he's a good friend of ours. I have nothing but respect for him. Um, I have a lot of respect as well for Janet Garcia of IGN. She's a, She does a lot of great work. I got introduced her recently, honestly, yes. because she was in the Potters of the Player podcast with Grayson, which I did listen to because I listened to all his podcasts. And she's great. She's been wonderful. She, um, I, I, I was talking to Felicia about her. Obviously, they're coworkers because they're both at IGN. So during uh-huh. the um, uh, interview that I had with Felicia, shout out, girl, IGN, Latinx squad, yay. Um, yeah. She definitely shouted her out as being one of those people who is, um, you know, at the forefront of talking about diversity in the games industry, especially in such a huge place such um, like IGN. So, yeah, definitely really cool. Hopefully, maybe I can get her on a podcast. We'll see. But sorry, continue. Oh, yeah, that'd be cool. That would definitely be cool. And, of course, your previous guest, Luis, Luis Alameda. I also I also introduced to him through um, Grace doing the Positive Player podcast. Honestly, if you're like, I'm going to shout out Grayson for a second. If you haven't listened to his Positive Players podcast, y'all should listen to that. He talks to like a lot of cool people about uh, about games, and of course, they're positive people, and they're just really cool people in general. Like I've I've found myself uh, not sometimes meeting, sometimes just just like being introduced to people through that podcast, including those two examples. Yeah, everyone I said are really cool people. And I love seeing that kind of representation in the industry. It is really cool uh, to be able to hear those different types of opinions from people. And it is also really important. And it does give me hope for the future of games journalism and where we're going with this. Because a lot of companies have tried to be more inclusive, which has always been a good thing. It doesn't always work out, but I won't talk about that currently because mm-hmm. that's another topic. Um, yeah. What do you think can be done to make, um, what do you think can be done to make things better for the gaming industry as a whole, as, as, as well as, you know, gaming communities? Because there recently, so this is a little bit of an aside, uh-huh. but for a very long time, I played World of Warcraft. Right. Um, I played, you know, vanilla WoW back in the day before there was an expansion when everything was really hard and people thought it was cool. And then I came back and I was like, this is too easy. This is bullshit. I'm sure, like, you've had a video game that has, you know, changed things to make it more mainstream for the populace. And then um, I was just like, oh, I'm elite, yeah. like, vanilla WoW. I'm so cool. Um, yeah, but yeah. I, was, I, was, I was always Horde because Horde is the best. 
And I was a blood elf as soon as they came out for Burning Crusade. And blood elves were not black. Like, you could not be black. The best you could be was tan. And recently, Blizzard has taken on to uh, adding customization for Shadowlands, which is coming out soon. And finally, from, I don't, God, I have to look up the, the date that Burning Crusade released. Um, it was probably like 2008 or seven or six. I don't know. I'm going to look it up and I'm going to, I'm going to update this podcast, but that's how many years it took for me to be able to be a brown skin blood elf on the horde. Like mm. it, it took X amount of years, which I'm going to correct. And it's crazy that it takes so long for something so simple. Like I couldn't even represent myself. Like the best I could do was be tanned. And I was like, damn, I just want to be a really cool black elf. You know what has really cool black elves that I recently discovered? Breath of the Wild, because I'm playing it. And it's really yeah, cool. And I was do. like, look at all these cute little black elves. This is adorable. Um, But Blizzard is also... um. They're, they're also embracing LGBT aspects as well. They have um, side quests with NPCs that are that happen to be gay. There's um, in, in the latest book, which I also have to update because I don't remember the name of it, that I just finished um, for Shadowlands, there is a ceremony where two female trolls get married. There's also a situation where these two... Um, these two characters who are sailors um, grow to love each other and they're both male. And so uh, Blizzard is definitely opening up diversity, you know, despite all the nonsense that we had to deal with with Blizzard in the last year and a half or two years. But anyway, speaking on that, how do you think that the gaming industry as a whole can, can excuse me, update itself to be able to uh, live with the current diverse world we have. And the, the other reason I brought this up is because I also want to talk about communities as well, because there has also been some black backlash about uh, the Blood Elves being black. And, I, you know, I'm just like, why y'all mad? Just don't make a black one. But, you know, tell me, <laughs> yeah, how do you well, feel about that? What do you think can be done? What I think can be done is honestly what we've been doing now, but like, well, basically the more more voices and more diversity will come when more people of of color will reaches these positions honestly because again we talked about it earlier you're more inclined to write a story about something that you have personal experience with that's just that's just the natural way things go so the way things have been going like the last two decades even maybe even three, three with like more people of minorities that are just you know starting to get these positions where they can like tell stories or whether it be gaming, TV, or comic books, what have you. And they're going to tell stories about what they feel hasn't been told enough. Um, this isn't strictly related to um, Hispanic culture, but um, what was the name of that game? Raji, the one that was in the indie one? Yes, Raji. It's another game that, that like I really want to play. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, exactly. Something like that. I've never seen a game that, that goes so deep into like Indian lore that says... Fairly, I would even go as far as to say mainstream. I mean, it's an indie game, but a lot of people were looking at it. A lot of people were saying great things about it. It's the first time in my personal life of playing games that I've seen a game that deals with like Indian mythology be in the forefront. You've got like Greek, you got like a thousand Greek mythology games out there. You got like a handful of Norse mythology games out there. Um, there's not a, a handful of games that even deal into like Aztec mythology and what have you. We're not going to get more diverse because there's more out there than the ones that we just keep getting like every few years or so for sure but we're not going to really get them until we have people that are passionate enough about those subjects into the industry where they can really do it and you know some of it 
some of it, of course, is due to like um, prejudice and whatnot. But some of it also has to do with the fact that they have to want to do that too. If they really, if they if they have a story that they're passionate about telling and are willing to put it to work to like tell it and get into that position, then they'll tell it because I know that they have something they wanted to do their entire life. And I think that the way we're going now, where we are seeing more people of color, persons of color, and minorities getting into these positions like gaming industry, game development, and what have you, it's going to happen naturally. Like we're on a we're on a surefire progression to forward that I can see. No matter what down downfalls may come, pitfalls may come along the path. There, it's not going to stop. And I think that's a great thing that it can only get better from here. We are going to start seeing more stories dealing with all kinds of different cultures and it's going to be beautiful when it does happen because i think there is a market for these stories that really haven't been told especially when the same stories are being told in slightly different ways each year i think miles morales is definitely going to be the pillar for hey there is a market for us and we will buy the games just fucking give us the stories man that's what we want miles morales to me is such an important character be not simply because he's Afro Latino, but be because he's Spider Man. Spider Man. Exactly. Is, this, this this is something that I wrote about in my article about the DC and Marvel heroes of Latino culture or Latinx culture, is that Spider Man is the most well known hero in this in the entire world. Like obviously he was created in America, but he's really big in cultures like Japan, and there's like other cultures that really like him a lot. Like he's a he's big everywhere. He's big everywhere. He's just the most well known superhero. So for them to take a character like Spider Man and you know make a, a different version of him that's like uh, that's like um, Afro Latino that represents two very important minorities within the United States and just the fact that that's becoming so mainstream is so important because it's going to encourage a lot of people to really take. Not only is it going to be relatable to a lot more people than Peter Parker was for his time, but it's also going to like encourage a lot of people to like make their voices be heard. And it's going to encourage a lot – not only like it's going to encourage more storytellers to come out so they can tell their story as well. But I think it's going to take a lot of these characters that kind of have been in the background and make them more important. So I'm glad that Spider-Man of all things is really going to be that – is really that first step. You know, It has to be, right? Because it's Spider-Man. But I think there's other characters out there that are that can really benefit from like a big mainstream blockbuster game or a movie or a show, what have you. There's, there's they're they're out there. Those characters are out there, and if they're not out there, they're in somebody's head, and they just need that little push to go ahead and tell their story. And I think, I think we're on the right track. Is what is is the summary of basically everything I'm saying. Like I think if we keep going the way we are, it's going to naturally improve. That's my belief. Yeah, uh, you know, I I can do nothing but agree with you. And finally, before we end, is there anything else that you want to um, say before we close out? Um, just that again, that I'm very happy that the, the industry really is moving forward with diversity in the way that it is. It's very important that I'm hearing more and more about people that of, of uh, persons of color that are going to these positions and being able to tell their stories, whether it be journalism, game development, book writing, movies, or what have you. We have a lot to work to do, for sure. I think there's definitely more room for more representation in both this country as well as many other countries. But I, I, I think the future does look bright. I think it's very promising. And I'm blessed that, honestly, that I, that, that I live in an era where I can tell these kind of stories, you know, or, or not tell stories, but, like, write articles and, like, share my experience with games with other people and that people will listen. I think it's, it's, a, good, it's a good time, and I know it will just get better. 
Yeah, it's always been a positive for us, actually. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, even even the, most of our views come from our diversity articles as well. So it's really- and that's mm-hmm. and that's why and that's why I love in particular being editor for HB Critical because I really honestly do feel that as far as any other game journalism sites that are around there that have been you know created within the last de- decade or two, we really have put a really strong foot towards diversity that has been one of our cornerstones of making it and i wouldn't take have it any other way i'm blessed to be working in a place that really does push for diversity to the forefront of gaming that we really do have like voices of all colors honestly we have like i think we have like like a really large amount of races of them in our in our website and i think that's beautiful yeah i mean our leadership team is literally a black guy a puerto rican an asian woman and uh you know a white woman so we cover the spectrum and you know we also cover the lgbt spectrum and that doesn't that's before you even talk about you know our diverse set of writers so Mm -hmm. it's been really great and and then even even you know writers who are not poc are still so awesome and supportive and absolutely another perspective as well that of course you know we we celebrate and we revere and we respect so it's been really freaking awesome we champion all the voices and that's that's my that's what i love about it yes so brandon thank you so much for this conversation on diversity it is as important as you are to me and that's it's my pleasure and you are very important to me as well (laughs) and with that we will talk to everyone later see you all on the next podcast bye everybody see ya